Oh, Lord, we come before you this morning just thanking you for your never-ending love. And like the song says, how deep, how high, how wide, and how long is your love. is beyond our comprehension. The fact that you went to the cross for us when we were still sinners, when we were spitting in your face, you went to the cross. You saved us, Lord. And for that, we are eternally grateful. What I pray now is Dr. Cox comes and brings the message. I pray you'll open our ears and our hearts to hear from you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Good to see you today. Glad you're here. I want to take a moment to uh, thank again folks who helped us in our Vacation Bible School this week. We had a great week. Uh, over a hundred uh, volunteers every day. Thanks to Megan Clayton. Thanks to all the volunteers. I really believe that giving your time in Vacation Bible School or to lead a connection group is one of the greatest investments you make of your life on planet Earth during the, your lifetime. I really believe that. And uh, we're grateful to pour into kids this week. Uh, by the end of the week, we had 15 children who had indicated that accepted Christ as their Savior. We praise God for that. We had others who had recommitted their lives. Amen. And uh, some of those are going to be baptized at our lake baptism in July. Some are being baptized in other churches. We're just excited uh, for them. And so thank you to those who shared in our Vacation Bible School uh, this week. God bless you for your investment in children. Uh, this Wednesday begins our outdoor summer worship services. So um, I want to invite you to come. Our Wednesday programming this summer on Wednesday nights, we'll all be together in the rear parking lot. Bring a lawn chair, bring your Bible, and it starts at 6.30. And some of our earlier uh, publicity, we'd said 6.15, and we watch the shade. We need to wait a little bit more so everybody will be in the shade. We'll start at 6.30, 6.30 this Wednesday night, the rear parking lot, music, Preaching, I'm going to be sharing a series this summer on animal stories of the Bible. And you may think, well, now that's sort of fluffy. But let me tell you, God reveals, we'll see this summer, God reveals some of his deepest theology through animal stories in the Bible. So we're going to be looking at those uh, uh, this summer. And I invite you to come, invite somebody to come. There'll be a fellowship after each one. Great time to get to know people, new people, meet people, encourage you to come. Very informal, great time for kids will be there. We'll be doing some things for kids throughout the time, summer, so I invite you to come. One more thing I want to share with you. Um, next Sunday, we do our deacon election and our deacon nomination. So I want to encourage every church member, First Baptist Church, to spend about 15 minutes this week with your newsletter in prayer and be ready to vote next week. If you just show up, you won't be ready. So in the past two weeks in our newsletter has been all of the lists and the ballot and so forth. And so uh, it'll be in our newsletter again this week. Uh, if, you're, if you don't receive our newsletter, there's a thing at the Welcome Center. You can go sign up. Every member should be receiving our newsletter by mail or email, but maybe your husband takes yours away and you don't get to see it on your email or on paper. Or what. Go sign up. We'll send it to anybody, um, any, any non-member. Just sign up out there at the Welcome Center or on the, the card in the pew rack. You can sign up for the newsletter. But anyway, 
So we're going to do our deacon election. The ballot is in there, and then you'll have opportunity to nominate new deacons. I hope you'll take time to read from 1 Timothy the qualifications for a deacon and what that person is supposed to be before you make that and make sure that those people that you nominate meet those deep qualifications. So that's very important. I'm just asking you to take 15 minutes sometime this week with your Bible, your newsletter, and in prayer, and uh, seek God's will. Come ready to mark your ballot and to make any nominations that you need to make next Wednesday. What if you could spend a day with any person in the world, who would you choose to spend a day with? You know, some people get very excited about just glimpsing a celebrity in an airport or some people pay money in Nashville just to see the homes of country music stars, drive by them, and hope to get a glimpse of uh, Garth Brooks or, or Luke Bryan or somebody, you know. Uh, who would you want to spend a day with if you could spend a day with any person, living or dead? Some of you would choose a sports star. You've got a sport that you're just really into, and you'd love to spend a day with Peyton Manning or some soccer star, tennis star, baseball star. Some of you um, are into celebrities. What would you could spend a day with the Queen of England? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be something? What if you uh, could spend a day with your favorite music performer? You could spend a day with uh, Taylor Swift or... Uh, Justin Timberlake or with Biebert or somebody, you know, wouldn't that be great? Uh, what? So uh, what if you could spend a day with Jesus? Well, in a way you can, because the Gospel of Mark, in his pages of his Gospel, he shares one day in the life of Jesus in pretty much detail. And so this morning, I want us to look at Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 21, and we're going to spend a day with Jesus and see what that would be like. Now, this day with Jesus takes place early in his ministry, it's in the first chapter of Mark, he's just selected four, his first four disciples along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, two sets of brothers, all of them fishermen. Simon, whom he would nickname Peter, and Andrew, one set of brothers, James and John, the other set of brothers. He's got these four followers. And this day in the life of Jesus takes place in Capernaum. That's where these four lived. It was a town on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee where they were fishermen. And this day in the life of Jesus is on a Saturday, their Sabbath. And we're going to follow Jesus from Saturday morning to Sunday morning. Follow with me in your Bible at Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 21. They went to Capernaum. That's where they're going to spend this day. These four lived there, and the Bible tells us that Jesus, as soon as John the Baptist was put into prison, moved from Nazareth to Capernaum. This became his home and his headquarters for his Galilean ministry. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, 
So this is Saturday. This is their day of worship. And it's, our story starts on Saturday morning. Jesus went into the synagogue. So Jesus went to church on, on the day of worship. You should too, because Jesus did. And he went to the synagogue. Now the temple, of course, was the place where sacrifice was offered in Jerusalem. There's only one temple. But starting during the exile, or maybe shortly after the exile, they began to develop synagogues. Wherever there were 10 Jewish males, age 13 and up, you could form a synagogue. And a synagogue, there was no music, there was no preacher. It was maybe sort of like our connection groups, our Sunday school. There was a ruler of the synagogue who kept things going, but he didn't speak. It was mainly just prayer and teaching, and so one of the members would would teach, or a visiting rabbi would be invited to do. And so Jesus comes to to the synagogue, and he says he went into the synagogue and began to teach. And verse 22 says, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. The scribes, the teachers of the law, they were the one who interpreted the Old Testament law, the first five books of the Old Testament, and they tend to get these rules and make rules about what you could do on the Sabbath and what you couldn't do on the Sabbath. But Jesus taught differently. He taught like it came from God. He taught with confidence and with authority. And in the midst of this worship service, they had a disturbance. It says in verse 23, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So here was a demon-possessed man or a man with an unclean or impure spirit, and he cried out. And the demons in the New Testament story, so often they recognize Jesus before humans do. They know who he is. And this demon cries out and identifies him. And Jesus says to him in verse 23, uh, verse 25, be quiet. Jesus tells him to be quiet. And part of this is that Jesus does not want the testimony of demons, but Also, he's going to say that same kind of thing to people early in the gospel. So it's called the Messianic Secret. You may read the gospel and you wonder, why did Jesus tell people he healed and tell demons, don't tell anybody, be quiet, over and over in the early part of the gospel? And I think the the thing is that Jesus knew God's timing, and it was not yet time for this thing to come about to a head and for him to die. He had to instruct his disciples, and Jesus did not want this, um, he had to, spend time first. So the first part of his ministry, he's sort of tamping down this expression of his messiahship and and who he is. Now later at the end, he'll say, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell everybody. But now is not the time. He's got to lay the foundation with his disciples. So he says, be quiet, Jesus said sternly. And then he says, come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently. One last reaction. And then he came out of him with a shriek. Now, we don't see that as much today. I don't see it as much today, demon possession like that. And you say, well, is this real? We don't see it much today. Well, in the next chapter, Mark's, I've got Mark's gospel. Jesus is going to say, in regard to casting out demons, he'll say, no one can rob a man unless he ties up the strong man first. And so here's what I think happened. Jesus came to defeat the power of, of evil and Demons were rampant against him, and one reason we don't see them as much today is because he has has bound the strong man. He has exercised authority over demons, 
And we are the benefits of that. Now, in cultures where Christianity has not taken hold, I've been on mission trips to Brazil and to, to Thailand and to, uh, and to other places, and, and you do see more overt demonic activity. And it may be as our, as our culture loses the control on the strong man, the binding of the strong man that Christian heritage has produced, that we'll see more of that. I don't know. But certainly... Jesus confronted these demons and he exercised authority. Look at verse 27. The people were so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. If you spent a day with Jesus... I think you'd be amazed at his authority. The first thing that we see that Mark points out about Jesus is his authority. He taught with authority and he had authority over these evil spirits. Jesus is the authority over evil and the authority over life. And if you're struggling with any temptation, why don't you go to the authority? Are you battling some temptations in your life and you're sort of trying to do it on your own? There is one who has authority over evil. Why don't you align yourself with him? If you had any other problem, you'd seek an authority, right? If you had to go to court, wouldn't you probably get in a lawyer? Most of us don't feel equipped to represent ourselves in court. If your wife needs surgery, would you try to do it yourself? Honey, I think I can look this up on the internet and I can do this and save a lot of trouble. You're probably not going to do that, are you? You're going to go to an authority, right? I want somebody who's done this, who, who knows about this. If, if you have a root canal, you're going to try to fix it yourself? I don't, I'm not going to. I'm going to an authority. Listen, why do we in life not turn to the one who has authority over evil and who teaches with authority? And Jesus is there, the one who can help you in your struggle with evil. Well, it says in verse 29, as soon as they left the synagogue, so now it's about noon on Saturday. They had their synagogue service like we have our church service in the morning, and they went home for the noon meal. After we leave here, some of you will go home and fix a sandwich. Some of you will go to a restaurant. Well, they went, they left the synagogue, and they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. So the five of them, these four disciples, and Jesus went from the synagogue service, and they went to Peter's house. Archaeologists believe that they have discovered in Capernaum Peter's house. There is still the ruins of a synagogue there. I've been in that synagogue in Capernaum. It's probably from the 4th century, though, built the, probably the one that Jesus was teaching in, destroyed in the, in, when the Romans came in 70 A.D., and they built another one on the ruins. But not far from that synagogue then, there was an octagonal Byzantine church. And under the ruins of that church, they discovered a 1st century home. And church history had said that the home of Peter had been turned into a church. And this first century home there is made up of a gate with an open courtyard. And in that courtyard were, were kneading, uh, were um, millstones where they'd ground their, their, their grain and olive presses and cooking fires. And then 12 
homes around that open courtyard with the doors and windows facing to that courtyard, 12 two to three room homes, and one of those 12 homes had been treated in a special manner. Later, the walls had been whitewashed with limestone, and there are over 150 inscriptions on those walls referring to Peter and Jesus, and they think this was Peter's house, later turned into a church, venerated as a special site, and that pilgrims would come there and write prayers uh, about to Jesus on the walls of that. Had flat roofs that have since fallen in because they were wood and thatch and stairs going up to them. This is probably the home where they dug through the roof and let the man down to Jesus. This is where Peter lived. Probably in one of these 12 is where Jesus set up residence and made Capernaum his headquarters. And so again, the Bible is validated by archaeology and what is discovered. So they went to this complex of homes, perhaps, and it says for, for the meal, and it says in verse 30, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. This is one of two places in the Bible that we know that Peter was married. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about Peter taking his wife with him on a preaching tour. And here it says that he has a mother-in-law. And if you've got a mother-in-law, you're married. And so he had a mother-in-law and uh, she was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. I don't know if that means they told Jesus, sorry, she's not here to help serve, she's in bed with a fever, or did they immediately tell him about her for the purpose of thinking maybe Jesus would do something about this? Indeed, he did. It says, and they immediately told Jesus about her, verse 31, so he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. She's completely healed. And that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. And so the word got around, hey, Jesus has has healed Simon's mother-in-law of a fever, and the word spread through Capernaum, and then after sunset, so now it's after 6 p.m. Uh, um, that evening, and the Sabbath is over. The Sabbath begins at Friday at sunset, in Saturday at sunset. So the, the note here of why the after sunset they all gathered, well, now the Sabbath is over. You could carry a sick person. You can't carry a sick person on the Sabbath. You can't travel a great distance on the Sabbath, but now the Sabbath is over, so the word has gotten around all Sunday afternoon. Hey, do you hear what happened over at Peter's house? And they said, well, I'm, I'm taking, my, I'm taking my, my friend there. I'm taking my, my wife there. And so after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed, and the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases, and he also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. If you spent a day with Jesus, you would be touched by his compassion. Jesus, heal those who are sick. And you think he'd, had, he'd preached that morning, he'd had a busy day, and, and, and then here come all of these people. And perhaps to late in the evening after sunset, one after another, Jesus takes time to heal them. And think of Peter's mother-in-law. A fever is not necessarily a big thing. I know it can be a big thing and can be associated with with big diseases, but you've probably had a fever before. Jesus healed a fever. Jesus cares about little things. 
And maybe you're going through some things right now in your life, and the purpose of the Gospels is to show to you that God has come down from heaven and the purpose of Jesus, and he cares about you. He cared about people. This was not central to his mission. Why did he do this? He did it because he cared. Peter's mother-in-law not having a fever was not central to his purpose of coming to earth, but he is a person of compassion. He cares. And maybe you're going through something right now and you feel alone, and the message of the gospel of why Mark records this is that you will know he is powerful, he has authority, but also he cares even about little things. Jesus cares even about little things. And you may feel like sometimes, man, I I prayed about this and I'm still doing it. I don't know. Let me tell you, I don't have all the answers, but I know this Jesus cares. He cares about what you're going through in your life right now. Well, he healed all late into the evening. The whole town had come. Finally, I guess they went to bed. And then it says, verse 35, very early in the morning. So as Mark takes us through this day, now it's early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, before sunrise, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place, or the word is desert, the same word earlier in the chapter where John the Baptist was preaching in the desert and Jesus was tempted in the desert, but there's no desert around Capernaum. It's the green part of Galilee, and so uh, they don't translate it desert here, so a secluded place, a deserted place, a solitary place. Jesus got off by himself. He left that compound of 12 houses, slipped out through the gate while it's still dark, went outside the town somewhere to one of the hills, and there he prayed. Now that just amazes me. Jesus took time to pray. I mean, Jesus is God, right? What does he need to pray for? I mean, he's, he's got, he has all authority, right? But Jesus, even Jesus, valued prayer. And that tells me that if Jesus valued prayer, shouldn't I value prayer? I mean, you can make a case that Jesus is pretty self-sufficient on his own, but he valued a relationship with the Father, and he said, the Son does nothing except what he sees the Father doing. There's a dependence on the Father even for Jesus, and how come we go through our lives and act like we don't need that? And you know, one of the things that we often say, the reason we don't pray is we're very busy. Um, I teach a a class every fall on prayer and Bible study, and I ask people anonymously to fill out cards, and why don't you pray more? And I can predict what the number one answer is going to be because it's the same answer every year for 20 years. I can tell you what you're going to write on that card. You're going to write, I'm just busy. I don't have enough time. I got kids. I do it all. And so you know what we do, we're saying when we say I'm too busy to pray? I'm a lot busier than Jesus was. Boy, my life is just so much filled with so many more important things than Jesus, the one who healed late into the night and got up before daylight because he valued that prayer. But, but you know, I'm a whole lot busier than that. My life's filled with, isn't that sort of what we're saying when we do that? If you spend a day with Jesus, you would be impressed by his commitment to prayer Jesus valued a relationship with the Father. Do you value a relationship with the Heavenly Father? Well, in verse 36, it says, Simon and his companions, so he and Andrew and James and John, went to look for him. They got up. Where's Jesus? He's not here. There are a lot of people showing up wanting to be healed. And so 
when they found him, verse 37, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. You know, so many of the stories of Peter just almost have a comical turn to them. Just so many of them. And here you get the picture of Peter saying, what in the world are you doing here praying? We got important stuff to do. Let's go. What are you doing here, Jesus? You know, everyone is looking for you. You're popular. You're getting famous now. There's crowds back there in town. Let's go. We got to go see the crowds. But Jesus replied, verse 38, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. He didn't come to, to build crowds. His primary purpose was not even healing. He did that out of compassion. But this is why I have come. So he traveled through Galilee, preaching in their synagogue and driving out demons. If you spent a day with Jesus, you would realize his top priority is preaching the good news. He said, this is why I've come. Yes, it's important. I care about these people. But let me tell you what's even more important, that I share the message that they can have eternal life if they'll repent and believe the good news of the kingdom. And so if we would model our lives after Jesus, then preaching the good news ought to be our top priority. And you say, well, I'm not a preacher. He was a preacher. Can I show you this one more verse where this word is used? You see the word there where he said, let's go and preach, for that's why I've come. That's the Greek word keruso. Now let's read Mark chapter 7, verse uh, 29. No, I'm sorry, verse 36. Mark 7, verse 36. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. This is after he had healed a man, and a lot of people saw it. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. That's the same word, Caruso, as preached in Mark 1. The more they kept preaching about it or talking about it, I'm saying, you're not a preacher, but you're still supposed to preach or to talk about it. That's the same word of why Jesus came, that we would talk about it. The word of God is what brings life and hope, and we have a responsibility to talk about Jesus, to talk about the good news. Do you ever talk about the good news? He said, that's my priority. That's why I came. Even more important than healing people, this is why I've came. Come, that I might caruso, that I might talk about it or preach about it. What a day, right? What a day in the life of Jesus. What a day, that 24 hours. Did you know that you can spend other days with Jesus? In fact, you can spend every day with Jesus because about 50 or 55 or 60 years after this day, Jesus appeared to one of these four again. John, probably the last of these four left alive, was in exile on the island of Patmos. And it says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, that Jesus appeared to John and said... I'm the living one, I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death in Hades. He said, John, I'm still alive. Jesus, who died, he was dead, but he rose from the dead, he was resurrected, he ascended to heaven, he's there now, and he's as much alive as the day that he was in the synagogue and went home to Peter's house for dinner. And 
Jesus says, I'm the living one. You can still spend a day with him. And so he said in this book of Revelation through John to the church at Laodicea, Revelation 3.20, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. Jesus is still alive. Jesus desires fellowship with you. He wants to spend a day with you. He wants to spend every day with you. He invites you to open the door of your heart and he'll come in. That means you can be saved and know him in a personal life. But this verse is also to the church, a church at Laodicea, a church that should have been in fellowship with him and apparently had pushed him to the outside. You could do that to your life, push him to the outside. And he said, hey, I'm standing outside the door, church. And I desire daily fellowship with you. We'll hang out together. We'll eat together. If any person hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and spend the day with them. What an amazing opportunity we have to live life in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me in prayer? Oh Lord, perhaps you're knocking at the door of our lives. Perhaps there's someone here today who's never established a relationship with you by repenting of their sin and believing in you and confessing you as the Lord. And I pray today, whether it's a child or a senior adult or a student or a young adult, that right now they would say, Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God who has authority over demons, who can heal, who can raise the dead. I believe that your message of good news is the message I need. I ask you to forgive my sin and to come into my life and save me and forgive me right now. I, I hope you would pray that prayer. Maybe there are others of you that you're a Christian, and yet in some sense Jesus has been outside the door of your daily life, and you've not been in fellowship with him. You're in a relationship, but not really fellowship. And so he said to a church at Laodicea, would you open the door, and I'll come in, and I'll share life with you. Would you just invite Jesus into your world, whatever you're worried about, whatever you got planned this week, would you say, Jesus, I invite you as Lord of my life to give me wisdom and to guide me and to walk with me as my friend. I want to live life with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a song of invitation and commitment during this time. If you want to respond publicly, you can walk forward here. We're going to have baptism next Sunday. You can be baptized next Sunday. Come today and say, I want to pray and receive Jesus and confess him as Lord. You can join our church. Somebody, uh, you need something to pray about. Somebody would be glad to pray with you. You respond as God speaks to you. Would you like to have that? Hey, it works him.
Amen. You can be you can be seated. Have a seat. Thank you for being here with us this morning. Uh, as we learn how we can just in, in have walk with Jesus and have Him involved in our lives each and every day. I want to remind you tonight we have a special night, VBS Family Night. So uh, it's a time to celebrate what God did through VBS and and see the uh, effort and hard work that the the kids put in learning songs and motions to share a program with us. So uh, first through fifth grade performers need to be here at 5.15. The entering and completed kindergartner will be here at 5.45. And then show times at six o'clock tonight. So hopefully you'll be back to celebrate that. And then we'll have some fellowship time down in the gym afterwards. Yes, yes. These kids are amazing. We've got some great actors. We just, we're all blown away how good they are. We've got these, uh, so we're doing, it's going to be a play. Right, yes. And we were just like, these kids, they got such personalities. you got to just come and see this. This is great. So we're excited about that. And again, thanks for all the effort and, and hard work for and just love and compassion everyone showed at VBS this week for, for the sake of kids and, and the kingdom. So let's pray and we'll be dismissed. God, we thank you for your love for us. And just to see uh, this morning a glimpse into uh, how you lived and how you went about your life here on earth, God. Uh, such um, a great example to us about how what we need to be invested in, God, and just seeing 
uh, you at work uh, in your time here and the, and the love and compassion and, and purpose and mission that you had, God. Help that to inspire us and help us to realize that we can walk with you each and every day, that we can have you in our life as we go about our days. So help, help us to do that, God. Help us to seek you. Help us to involve you in what we have going on. Uh, again, for your sake and for your kingdom, God, uh, we love you and thank you for this opportunity to gather and worship. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. You're dismissed.